Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 198th episode of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. That is, of course, when we're not talking off the air about accents, <laughs> which I could do for hours and hours and hours. Not the accents. I can't do them. I do one, and I won't do it. I've probably done it before, and I shouldn't. But uh, anyway, we're here to talk about the Blue Jays. And, and joining me, as always... Uh, old Reliable... Mr. Andrew Stoughton, Stoughton, how are you? I'm all right. I'm, I mean, I'm offended that you would talk about my accent like that, but uh, other than that, I'm okay. Your accent is, uh, you don't have an accent. Well, we don't have accents. We keep telling ourselves, uh, which also remind, <laughs> reminds me. So before we started recording, we were talking about the differences between how Canadians ha- have, we have an accent, obviously, the people you and I speaking and most of the people listening to this have their own versions of our accents. Let's start from Saskatchewan, at which point they have the wildest accent that doesn't get enough credit for being so weird. But where we live in southern Ontario is very close to places like western New York and upstate New York and even, um, you know, eastern Michigan, where as soon as you cross the border, it's like they are just a, a, a switch flips. It's fucked. And everything yeah. becomes <laughs> so, so, so different. But I was, uh, I had to laugh. The Zoobs, your friend of mine, the Zoobs, a friend of the show, who uh, is doing a lot of great stuff for Yahoo Canada right now. So he did a he did a video uh, during winter meetings, and he was talking. It, it was it was it was funny, but he kept saying about. He said about this, about that, about this. And our friend uh, Chris Liakos, formerly of uh, Walk Off Walk, and has done some stuff for Deadspin, and is just a generally great dude. He was so delighted because he got to hear about in Canadian like five times in fifteen seconds. He just could not be more excited to hear that that our Canadian accent that we that we don't hear. I, I get self conscious around Americans. I don't know about you. I want to pretend like I don't have a Canadian accent. I'm a child, really, really? but. Oh I yeah, just, I, just I, lay, I, I have to stop myself from making fun of their accent. I I just try to. Really, I end really up laying it on real really thick. <laughs> it's ha- it's Dallers is the one that always gets uh, me. The way the the way the O <laughs> becomes an A. A buddy, my, I'll lo- a buddy, mm-hmm. dated a girl from Wisconsin, Wisconsin for uh, for a while, and it was just, oh, yeah? we, we were just merciless to her. She was a lovely girl, but but we could not stop ourselves. <laughs> I've probably on this show talked about spoken of my friend Dave who is a friend of mine from high school. And so Dave, a great dude, moved to Canada from Scotland when he was 12. So he has, or had, a Scottish accent. Now, he was young enough and worked, and because he was young enough to that it would wear off, and also that he would self-consciously try to remove it because he didn't want to be a weirdo with a Scottish accent when he was in, you know, the 7th, 8th grade. Yeah, fucking so he, weapon, yeah. <laughs> like so he worked hard to I don't know if he worked hard. He he lost much of his Scottish accent. But that's that the Scottish accent is like nothing else in the world. I won't even try to do it because it's so difficult and it is so distinctive. But he lost most of it except for some of the things around the edges. But then Dave and his his family, they li- they left Newmarket, Ontario and they moved to New Jersey. <laughs> so Dave then moved with his family. He actually went to university uh, in New Jersey and, and still lives there in, I think he lives close to the New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania border now, kind of further south in, in southern Jersey. But he has now, because he's lived there so much longer than he ever lived here, he has the weirdest accent because it's very, a lot of Jersey in it. There's also weird bits of Canada and Scotland. So this poor bastard <laughs> has never said the word book correctly in his entire life. Because when he was here, it was like book. He's reading the book. And, it was, and then, it's, then he fixed it. But only a Canadian fixed it. So now he's there and still probably hasn't said the word book correctly. Which, judging by the people that I know from down there, it does, probably doesn't come up too often. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about the Blue Jays. Are, oh, are we? We, I mean, we we could we could do this. We could just talk accents riff. all night. Yeah, we could talk accents all night. It is uh, it is great fun. One, if you ever, if you're a Canadian, listen to this, and you are with Americans, if you want to entertain them to no end, just look them in the eye and say, "I'm about to go out to the boathouse," and they'll never be the same. They won't they won't be able to look at you uh, straight in the eye, but it'll everyone will have 
had a good time. Sounds perfectly normal to me. Very, uh, very normal. Before we switch from this topic, it, it just it always reminds me. I feel like we maybe talked about. I mean, 198 episodes. We talked about fucking everything before, but it reminds me mm. of when the Leafs used to have their AHL team in uh, Newfoundland, and I don't know if it was like the monster Jonas Gustafsson or whoever it was, but I remember distinctly that there were like there would be a, at least one Swedish player who very clearly learned a lot of English when he was in Newfoundland and sort of had a weirdly mixed <laughs> Swedish Luffy accent. And it was the most mm-hmm. fucking incredible thing you've ever heard in your entire life. It's, uh, you know, uh, what, what are these, these wonderful little quirks that make us all human, aren't they, uh, aren't they uh, magical, really? Regional accents, which are on the decline, oh. I think. Especially, especially in the U.S. where there are so many interesting little regional dictions um canada has we have our share but uh but as the world flattens and as you know our, we all kind of end up speaking more the, in a more similar the fucking manner. the fucking globalists take over yeah uh oh by the way speaking of accents <laughs> Jesus Christ. i will i will i don't know if i correct you is the word that i would use i the thing i was always told is understand newfoundland yeah did i say it wrong well, it, you it, said is, it, it is not, it is Newfoundland. The accent you said it you said it differently. Yeah, eh, wrong. not wrong. No, I think I well, I'll, 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 who am I? I'll who am I to be I'll, the? I'm the authority on how to pronounce Newfoundland. No, Newfoundland. I'm not. I, I feel that I feel that someone from there would would say it the way that you're would make the same correction. You're you're. They're a good natured people. They wouldn't bother to correct you. They would be laughing and encouraging you to. Kiss a fish and eat a baloney sandwich. I don't know. That's that's a big thing out there. This week, Roy Halladay was elected to the Hall of Fame. Beautiful segue. <laughs> Beautiful segue. <laughs> All the subtlety of the Newfie wit. Uh, yeah. Is, is, should we not say Newfie anymore also? I don't know. I, I, well, apologize. They, I apologize if we're not supposed to say that. I, didn't, I, I, I hope could, I have not co-opted. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't. I won't. We won't go on. We won't tread into this problematic territory any longer. Uh, the people, the good people of Newfoundland, are, are known for their wit, for their quick-witted uh, repartee, the banter, uh, as it were. Uh, Roy Halladay went to the Hall of Fame first ballot. Congratulations to Roy Halladay. Um, and it it was not not unexpected, but it was great because it gave rise for to a whole new series of like. Roy Halladay retrospectives and Roy Halladay remembrances and uh, which we can't we probably well you can't do too much but it still fucks me up I still it's still hard in a way to believe that he fucking died and and his kids now are soldiering on and they seem you know they are I can't imagine what that would be like for them and 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 his uh, his you know young wife too young to be a widow and it's just wild but it was a good chance to celebrate him, and here there were. I think TSN did a cool thing with. Uh, they saw it with Chris Carpenter, where they had kind of Chris Carpenter almost narrate a little, um, like video essay that was kind of neat, and and then you just saw every, everybody who ever played with him, are just you know Ricky Romero's and whomever else. Everyone who played with him is sharing something. If it's on Instagram, if it's on Twitter, wherever. Um, there's just. Um, The one thing I've been thinking about about Roy Halladay is it's almost odd that he's as beloved as he is or and was because not odd. That's how good you have to be to be beloved without really doing anything else. Like he was a blank slate to the point that it was like a running joke, right? That he was a cyborg and he was a robot and he didn't. And still, he, he, without showing a lot of who he was or what he was about or anything, his just sheer overwhelming greatness and competence on the field uh, endeared him to an entire generation of baseball fans from across the whole country um, in a way that it's hard to do. But yeah, that, yeah. and I think in some ways that's like that's the ever that's the legacy of him. Like, just be so fucking good, you don't even give anyone a chance to think anything other than like admire what it is you did on the field. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's well put. I I, I don't know that he was 
so much a blank. I mean, public facing, yeah, it was a blank slate, but obviously there was you know more to him than that. And we sort of, we sort of saw the the humor in him and, and other aspects of his personality more when he retired because it was you know so incredibly laser focused on on the game. Or we, I think a lot of people probably saw that. Uh, uh, I think it was MLB Network had the the oral history of his uh, uh, his playoff no hitter. Uh, and like Joey Votto talking about uh, the, taking the timeouts in the during the game and uh, and eventually and talking to him afterwards at an All Star game, being like, "Yeah, I wanted to kill you. You remember when you when you called time twice, uh, you know, before I threw the first pitch in that bat?" <laughs> and it's like, you know, those are little things. So I, I that you know, obviously there's there's more to that, but I think you're to him than that. But I think you're absolutely right that like I mean that it's just you're kind of in awe of how somebody can. You know, may uh, have that focus and and make you know just be that that great and that consistent and that you know just such a uh, a model of you know it, 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 it you know it is a little bit maybe robotic we say but it just uh, you know just a uh, just an incredible consistent uh, athlete who is. is you know, just dominating his opposition, you know, his job is to go out there and to beat hitters and just kept doing it and kept doing it. And, and I know that everybody listening to this knows of the greatness of Roy Halladay, obviously, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing to reflect on. It's, it's awesome to see uh, that he's uh, getting that honor, obviously. And, and also, like you say, it's just, it, it's, it's wild that he's not here uh, to, uh, to accept it. It's uh uh, it's such a it's such a strange strange thing, but I mean you can't take away our memories of that, or uh, you know it doesn't matter what fucking hat he's wearing. Uh, he was uh, he was someone he was an athlete that really that really meant something to a fan base in a way that uh, that and and that transcended just Blue Jays fandom and Phillies fandom. I think obviously too, like you say, with the 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 respect that he had from his peers and people who you know put their lives into the craft of trying to be as good at baseball as possible. And, and, and he's somebody who was sort of on a plane above all of that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, what can you say? It's just, it's somebody who, who, uh, embodied everything you want to see in an athlete or in a person or in a father or whatever, you know, you really, uh, you really can't not respect the hell out of, uh, out of everything that he did. And, uh, and, and so you have to feel good, uh, as as a fan of his, as a person and as an athlete, just to see uh, even even cynical, ghoulish me who does not really care much for the Hall of Fame, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was moved by the whole, you know, by that as well. Even though even though you know it's coming, you know, uh, it's because uh, we're always we're tracking the ballots these days. But uh, you know, even to hear it like sort of become official uh, was uh, was a special thing. I mean, it's like that's uh, that's my quarterback. You know, that's, I mean... Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And th- there are two things that that are interesting about um, the way that that um, the fan base feels about him. Is it all this happened in, in spite of the fact that he played for n- go-nowhere teams often. And while it was, his peak was like the peak of the, the bad old days when... The Red Sox were so good, and the Yankees were still coming off of, you know, uh, like a perennial every year World Series contender. And then in his last year in Toronto, of course, they won the World Series. But like he was the guy that he could beat them, right? He yeah. other anybody can beat anybody on a given day. But Halliday used to just fuck with them all, and then you see that in all of the Yankees fans who have shown a lot, of like been like he's just one of the best pitchers i ever watched and red sox fans the same way everyone just held held him in this odd esteem but at the same time you you mentioned it just now that you know he he's a a good person and a good and an athlete and admirable in these ways and i think that part of his sort of um uh the blank slate upon which we can all cast we, we were putting our own stuff on him because it was all there Right, like there were, there was nothing for for him. To, uh, he didn't do anything to interfere with us to cast that stuff and project it onto him, and he was able to take it because he was just like he. We know him as a as the consummate professional. We know him as the leader. We know him as the hard worker. And then all the other stuff of our own shitty insecure baggage got to get stuck to Halliday, and then <laughs> he became what we needed him to be. But the other thing I I was thinking about that that is surprising a little bit about not surprising, but is is 
an unusual route to um, this sort of iconic status, which and there was never like a like a moment, you know, like the bat flip was a moment that really kind of consolidated and and leveled out all of the mixed feelings that people some people had about Jose Bautista, the you know all the things that that the bad opinions and the shit that people used to say about him. A lot of that all just went away in that bat flip, that bat flip moment, that clutch home run, all that stuff it really like peaked and crescendoed and Jose Bautista will be a Blue Jay forever because of that. But Halliday doesn't really have that. Like, is there, do you have a moment that when we used to, when you say, this is what I think about when I say, what is the thing I remember about Roy Halliday as a Blue Jay? Is there one? Not, not really. I mean, like the game against the Burnett game against the Yankees was obviously like, that was a thing, but it wasn't, you know, it was just sort of like, his run of the mill greatness, right? I mean, it was just it, mm-hmm. people were talking about his last month, how what in, like how incredible he was in his last month as a Blue Jay, and <laughs> excuse me, and he, you know, even going back to you know the second start, that you know that can't really be a moment when it, you know, especially because of you know all that came after and he him going back down to single mm-hmm. A and uh, and everything. Yeah, it it uh, it does, and I mean you uh, you know. You're right that a lot of these, a lot of guys will have part of not having a moment is not having the playoff opportunities for so long. I mean, he, I think he had the moment in Philadelphia, uh, yeah, with, the, with that game, the the, the no hitter, and uh, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right that it, it's it it, 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 but it, it was it was bigger than that. It didn't, it, he didn't need a moment, right? I mean, it was just mm-hmm. especially because he was on such bad teams and he was the only good thing about so many of those teams, uh. Yeah, I you know I I don't I don't know I, there, there's just you can't there are a few comparables really I mean of, of guys who are just you know just so so great day in day out so focused so uh, you know with no with no baggage with no weird shit going on with not you know just not just not anything but being unflappable and great and. Like to the point of it's fucking hilarious how he's like, oh, I'm just uh, I'm gonna pitch a little bit to contact this year. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna strike guys out this year. And just uh, just the way that he ruled his domain was uh, was was just uh, incredible, incredible to watch, especially up close. I mean, we all got to watch it so so closely and, and to be in the stands for that. And I think that you know mm-hmm. that I assume you as well, but like that. That is such a huge part of it for me because you know there have been Hall of Fame players to play for the Blue Jays before. Uh, you know, and I mean, Alomar was here for a short time and it was a different time, but like this was in the bad old days, like you say, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was the diehards who were going and it was, you know, he was a guy who really helped a lot of people fall in love or stay in love with baseball during those, those sort of dark years for the team. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just, I mean, just to watch a, a, a career and just to watch that greatness up close for so long was, uh, you know, uh, was amazing at the time, and then to see it be recognized and appreciated, uh, not just you know by the people who were there, but by you know but by everybody throughout the game. Obviously, uh, you know that it, it just it sort of it, it underlines uh, what what it was and what and what it felt like to us at the time too, and it validates uh, everything we thought at the time, which was that this is just uh, a really special thing that we got to be a part of. Uh, absolutely, it, and, and you mentioned not the first Blue Jays player to go in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, lots of different uh, guys. You know, the legendary Frank Jack Thomas Moore. is obviously, you mean, yeah, Frank Thomas. <laughs> um, but Alomar was the one who's gone in as a Blue Jay. Halliday is the first kind of quote unquote born and bred Blue Jay, drafted and developed and spent you know the vast majority of his career. Um, as a member of the Blue Jays. And yet, he's not going to be wearing the Blue Jays cap in the Hall of Fame. His mm-hmm. bust will not feature the Blue Jays cap. He's going to go in wearing a blank cap. And uh, I really have to take my hat off to a local columnist who will remain unnamed at this time. Because I would have expected a worse take than this one. So I'm going to share it. <laughs> okay. So the headline reads, Brandy Halliday's decision must be respected, even if it stinks for Blue Jays fans. Okay? No lies detected yet. 
No. Not that there are not that there are lies on the way. So then it begins. Brandy Halliday has every right to want her late husband Roy to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame wearing neither a Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays, nor a Philadelphia Phillies hat. She's the widow. She knew her husband better than anyone. True. With the blessing of her two sons, Brandy announced on Wednesday that Roy will go into Cooperstown wearing a blank cap on his plaque because both franchises meant so much to him. Awesome. Her decision has to be respected. Okay, and that's it. That's the end of the call. Right. Hopefully. Uh, be, and 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 it's <laughs> you know it's succinct. You, you hear you hear a lot of uh, trash talk about newspapers and and kind of this one sentence paragraphs and stuff. But sometimes you can get in and out in like seven sentences um, because that that obviously is the end of the column I'm um, stuff the, the words that ha- come after that her decision has to be respected period the end uh, these are just that has to be just an ad because that is literally that the last <laughs> word nothing else needs to be said about it don't indulge in any other of these garbage don't get into some insane conversation her decision has to be respected the end credits roll lights come back up Oh wait, there's a there's a hidden scene at the end of the credits. They're gonna tease the next fucking trash column because it doesn't. It obviously it goes on and on. I I didn't even bother to read it because I read this. This is how good and succinct this column was. Was I read it over somebody's shoulder on the streetcar because uh, I saw the headline <laughs> and then I saw the byline and I thought, oh no. But then I read those seven sentences and thought, oh perfect. And then it went on, but I chose to pretend as though it did not. I think that's a good choice. Because there's nothing really needs to be said about it. She, they made that choice. The Hall of Fame has respected it. They haven't always respected the wishes of players um, in the past. This is obviously a different situation. Um, but there, he's going in wearing a blank cap, and that's great. It doesn't change a single fucking thing. If he wants to, if if his family wants to honor um, his time with the Phillies that way, awesome. The end. People are going to okay. show up. That right, they're going to people are going to go. I, I don't know that I'll be able to make it down. But there'll be a ton of Blue Jays fans uh, there in Cooperstown. There'll be a ton of people that will go and, and will, will have a great weekend, as they do over these weekends, as the Expos fans sort of uh, you know, did for, um, for Tim Raines and as people do for Pedro Martinez. Um, it'll be an awesome weekend. And the, the hat on the statue doesn't change a single thing. I agree. I agree. It's a bold take. It's a bold take. <laughs> now... Uh, I don't know if this column you're referring to, I didn't read it, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, I don't know if it referred, I certainly didn't write it, apparently, this, this fucking month, but uh, <laughs> uh, there has been some conversation about why, you know, because people have been concerned, I feel we should address, you know, people are like, well, he said himself that he wanted to go in as a Blue Jay, uh, which I, I reminded someone yesterday, and, and I would like to remind again, he said, you know, in the Jays dugout with two Toronto media at like a Blue Jays anniversary celebration thing. There's not a lot of, a lot of incentive for him to be like, well, actually, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I've seen some people not, not, you know, reasonable people, but some people, you know, talking about how, you know, the, the people will have brought up the idea or brought up the fact that, you know, the, uh, the funeral, the ceremony was at, the Phillies complex and, and, and that that the Jays people at the time were looking for uh, a lot of reasons to uh, people were I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays but uh, or the last couple of years and what the people have thought about the front office but uh, uh, it's sort of th- that tragic day happened in the wake of there were firings or layoffs or whatever there were, they got rid of a bunch of PR staff who were liked and they were, oh they were Canadians and even though that's just a completely normal thing that teams do we've seen Alex Anthopoulos laid off a bunch of people uh, in his scouting department and you know they, they, it, 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 that's just that's just how organizations operate but uh, that mm-hmm. had been sort of run with as uh, as as oh this is a great thing we can use to bash the front office with and the Jays response appeared. Uh, and maybe it was who's I, I don't know, but because uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't, wasn't calling them at the time. But their days are probably it appeared to be a little slow, especially compared to the Phillies. And, and people have sort of tried to extrapolate from that stuff what 
you know, like, oh, the Jays have dropped the ball or something, or they're uh, trying to infer. Uh, people really love to, you know, shit on the front office, and they may, they may have done a, they may have done a shitty job there. I, I was reading back something that I wrote at the time uh, on this very subject, where I was like, you know, yeah, there, there's some things that don't look great for these guys, which I completely understand. For example, at the time, uh, there was a report from Bob Elliott, which I did, I, you know, was was sort of maybe questionably timed. Uh, to come out, you know, for the maximum uh, ability to inflict pain on Mark Shapiro and the Blue Jays uh, about how uh, Halliday wanted a job with the Jays and they made him apply for it. Uh, as opposed, and then he ended up working for the Phillies, which I think is sort of linked into perhaps this uh, this whole subject, which probably doesn't need addressing. But I guess I'm in the middle of doing it anyway. Which, uh, like, uh, he for that year for 2017. Uh, he had a he had an office at the Phillies complex. He was their mental skills coach. He was a, he was he was much more a part of the Phillies family for that year. And so I don't know that it's necessarily so odd that the Phillies maybe took the lead on that. He was literally working with them every day. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and yet and yet people were and and, it, I, and I'm not sure that the time of his tragic passing was when the Blue Jays maybe wanted to like be like. You step up and try to wrestle his his legacy back from you know it was more it's a time to perhaps be restrained and respectful uh i am of course many people listening will probably uh be aware a, a great apologist for the the, the mark Shapiro and people but I, I don't know that that there is definitely a possibility that the you know that from the time when halliday said himself that he wanted to go mm-hmm. into the blue jay and now that yeah, maybe things did change and i think people have wanted to be like oh that's because the bad people running the Blue Jays, whereas it's like, I don't know, if you look at the progression of events where he was working with them every day and, and you know, that's, it seems completely natural to me. And it also, you know, to go back to the point about the uh, the offering of the job or not offering the job, you also, I think, have to consider, because I know that would be the first thing that people would bring up. I think you have to consider that, you know, these this was a Blue Jays organization that this is going to sound like apologetics again. I'm sorry, but I'm just bringing up something that nobody seems to want to talk about because nobody can sort of have this conversation in a sensible way. Uh, it was at a time when they are still sort of finding their organizational voice and 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 are you know they're cre- they've created this high performance department. They're sort of uh, uh, aligning their staff. We still see that that's going on this winter. They've been you know there have been changes and they're they're sort of building towards having an organizational philosophy and viewpoint and a way of doing things and you know the fact that they weren't just like falling all over themselves to hand a job to a team legend without a doubt could simply have been one they 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 obviously thought that could have thought that they would have an opportunity to do so again in the future and and Mm -hmm. sadly did not and you know, and it just it just may it, it just may not have made sense for them at the time. And I have seen people on Twitter, a minority of people, and I don't think uh, you know, which is why I say I maybe don't have to even bother talking about this. Uh, but try to weave this into a uh, a stance where the where the Blue Jays have done some egregious thing, and and had, it's their fault that they that that that. Halliday's uh the brandy and the, the family feel that you know more aligned with the Phillies and more part of that family than the Blue Jays and I think that you know if we can sort of step back and think about it a little bit more reasonably uh I don't think that that necessarily has to be the case maybe it is I don't know but I don't think that it's like a thing worth worrying about uh or a thing worth discussing because as you say uh their wishes should be respected, and there you go. That's the end of the column. I also, you've made a, a thoughtful and considered case uh, with full of reasons and, and logic. I think another possibility is also that um, in the wake of his passing, the baseball, larger baseball community, as seems to or could very well have really reached out and really have, and like maybe the family has felt that in a way that they didn't before the way that, um, you know, little things like Braden Halliday playing for K 
Canada or whatever it might be, um, if they if they have really felt that the community of baseball has has embraced them, if it's the families, if it's other you know the players' association, whatever it might be, could be as simple as that. But your 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 more detailed rationale makes sense too. But I mean, at the end of the day, ultimately, yeah, exactly what you're about to say. At the end of the day, he's going into the Hall of Fame, and he was a Blue Jay, and no one will ever forget him as a Blue Jay. And uh, you know, he's already on the level of excellence, so that's great. And uh, the the memorial at the beginning of this year was uh, not a thing that I I would have wished to have been in like a group of forty people drinking hundred people drinking beer when it was going on, but uh, there yeah. we were. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it doesn't mean it's the end, and, and it's uh, it doesn't mean it's the end of you know it's it's a nice. You know, tragedy aside, it's a nice kind of it's it's a it's a great moment that he's he's going to be there and people will be able to look forward to that time in the summer where they'll go there and they'll see the bust and they'll and the numbers and everything else will jump off the page and then you can go to the museum and see stuff from those that great start against the Reds as you mentioned the one against the Marlins that would, nobody was there uh, a great player and a great career and uh, celebrated accurately yeah. And the the hats. We don't need to. We get too hung up on these hats. I feel there. You know, no no Blue Jays fan goes to Cooperstown and and looks at Paul Molitor in a Brewers hat and thinks, oh, they've stolen him away from us. You know, like it it's cheap, just, it definitely cheapens the '93 <laughs> World Series. Like right. I mean, it's like it's just a it's just a fucking piece of bronze. Come on. And just think the hat. If if they had put Roy Halladay in a Blue Jays hat, it would have been an awful hat that they ran <laughs> away from as a brand anyway. Indeed. Now, speaking of Hall of Famers, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is now <laughs> the top prospect in baseball, according to two prospect list building outlets. Baseball Prospectus, to the surprise of no one, ranked Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as the number one prospect. And then Baseball America. To the, to the surprise of absolutely no one ranked Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as our top prospect. I wonder, should we be surprised to see him not a top? What, would, what are the remaining lists? There's maybe Keith Law will put one out on... on yeah, uh, Keith Law's going to have uh, Tatisa ahead of him, I think. He had him at midseason ahead of him. You think he'll, do you think he'll have him ahead of, again? Interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's possible Keith Law has his has his rationale for it and his reasons and and if contrarianism and hate clicks are part of that that's, got, that's always going to be part of the calculus it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't mean that we need to like reevaluate what Vlad means well the Blue Jays have been kind of you know setting up their entire franchise to operate based on the uh, the the <laughs> the marginal value the marginal surplus value of Vlad in his early years. But all that's changed now that uh, someone thought maybe Tatis will have a nice career too. <laughs> go go to Vlad's fucking Fangraphs page and look at the projections. And I think like the like the lightest projection on him is like four and a half wins. <laughs> you know, four and a half wins but, for a player who is twenty one <laughs> and doesn't. Uh, I think just twenty. Oh yeah, that's true. He is just yeah. twenty. Yeah, uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so whether somebody has him at one or or five or whatever, I mean. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. I guess. Uh, you don't. Though, though no, I do like it when people say nice things about him. Absolutely, you like it when people say nice things about him. Fernando Tatis has, has proven himself to be an excellent prospect. Although I don't think he was even was he fifth on Baseball America. They had Joe Adele number two. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, plan the plan the parade the parade there in Anaheim. Um, <laughs> it, Everyone, myself included, has we've become enamored with the idea of value and uh, stats like wins above replacement and the ability to to be good at all the things in baseball is really important. And even though it's a t- can be a tougher sell, as we're seeing, speaking of the Hall of Fame with the um, the lagging numbers for someone like Scott Rowland and how Larry Walker is, is could maybe get in, but there's still it looks like a I don't know. I don't know what, what the projections are, but he's going to need some help. He's going to need a an impassioned case to be made. And Bob Elliott is trying. He's doing his best to uh, to make that case. But it's tough for it's a tough road ahead because the ballot's only going to get more. It's only going to get uh, 
re-clogged. I mean, they did elect four players this year, but it's nice to think like, oh, this guy's a shortstop and he can hit. And those are good things to have. And then you see people arguing online like, oh, this guy, Tatis, he plays shortstop. All he's got to do is hit his as like Trey Turner. And then he'll be a great player. It's like, yeah, but I don't think that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is like a normal, good-hitting prospect. He's not like a nor like not all number one prospects are created equal, right? Like Andrew Benintendi was a, a number one prospect, well, great hitter, great great player, great hitter. Have, would be would be thrilled to have him on on your team, uh, but but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think I'd be trading him one for one at this point. It, when Andrew Benintendi was in was in still a minor leaguer, was there? Was it looked upon as a joke that he remained a minor leaguer? Was it like a farce? <laughs> was it right. like he's the best player on the team that should have that is currently holding him below their level right now? Does he hit four hundred and walk more than he strikes out at nineteen in double A and then triple A? No, this is not normal. So the the ability like what we're very likely to see from Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not it's not normal. And I'm excited for the insanity. I mean, at the same time, it's still only baseball, right? There's only so much you can do. Only you so can much get lots one of player hits. can do, yeah. There's only so much one player can do. And, and, and insanity, in, in baseball terms, especially when you're talking about someone as a hitter, there are the, like Mike Trout is insane, but he walks 20% of the time. So it's not what you're seeing isn't insane. I mean, he does, he has performed exceptional feats and hit really difficult pitches or foul lung off difficult pitches. And like, it's a, there's a lot of nuance there. But like, Vlad is going to hit and it's going to be great. But maybe insane is a bit of a misnomer. It's not, it's not going to. Yeah, I, I did read a, I did read a prospect guru say something that was a little bit insane. Oh, I know what you mean. Just a, a comp to, like, and that's the difference. One one guy's being like, he could be like Trey Turner, who was good one year once, and other people are like, he could be like a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best hitters ever to play the game. Those aren't the same things. <laughs> Those are not in the same ballpark. That's not a, that's not an apples to apples comparison. Um, and it's uh, pretty wild. And now all. I don't want to say foolproof, but like, okay, let me ask you this then, as I, as I'm, the gears are turning in my head. What does a disappointing 2019 look like for Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, well, it's, it's, it doesn't seem out of, it doesn't seem realistic, whatever that might be. Right. I mean. It's easier, you know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, you're talking about like a slash line, or like if he only hits mm-hmm. like 15 home runs, or like I don't know what you mean. It's. I think that's. This is. Ordinarily, you would caution against the kind of hyperbole and uh, and like pie in the sky, you know, dream scenario stuff where you would say, be realistic. The guy's got to just a big league pitching he's got all of this these different factors you know being in the big leagues is hard you see, it doesn't take uh, i know for we've spoken before about the our kind of frame of reference for prospects and travis snyder is one of the ones that i was one of the first prospects that i followed closely and yeah. was hyper aware of and watched the the ascendancy through the minor leagues and he hit everywhere he went, but there were still like, uh, pump the brakes, but he could be this. And then he came up and he hit a bit and he, and he hit, and then it kind of went away or even like Adam Lind, which I, well, remind me to come back to the, to Adam Lind, but, okay. but like an, uh, for Vlad, the skill is so apparent that it almost would be more shocking if he was bad than good. Which is, yeah. which is, which is crazy to think that that if he's if he comes up and he is a league average, if he gets four hundred at bats and, and he finishes the league with like, the year with like a one hundred or one ten weighted runs created plus, that's crazy. That would be like a what has happened? Yeah. He struck out more than ten percent of the time. Something has has gone horribly awry. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. If he's not the best hitter on this fucking team, then yeah, that is disappointing. I mean, like, so I, I'm the looking. Setting the bar real fucking high there. You said it. Well, <laughs> so the one, I'll, the one that I'll come back to, or the one that will is hopefully we don't have to talk about it again. Is a, a a quick reminder that in 135 plate appearances, uh, one young hitter hit two in his first taste of the big leagues. Hit 220, 281, 390, which was good for an 89 runs created. Plus, that was, again, in 135 plate appearances. Five home runs, four steals, nine walks, and 30 strikeouts. So that was Mike Trout at 19 in the big leagues. Um, That would be the ink that will spill if he does, if Vladimir (laughs) Grudgeon does that. Yeah, yeah. Shocking. It will be shocking. But if he hits like that, it will be shocking. But it's also important to remember that even Mike fucking Trout did that in his first go-around in the big leagues. And this is like the three best players of whoever played the game. <laughs> yeah. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not going to be as good as Mike Trout. Uh, I feel safe in saying that. That's fair. But uh, <laughs> uh, really going out on a... On a on a limb, but like it's important to remember that. But even that, like the, uh, it just feels like the odds of that are so extreme to, to come out and have him be a below average hitter. And it's not. I mean, maybe that's foolish of us. Maybe that's us scouting to the stat line or over over reading the the snippets and the scouting reports. But at the same time, at some point, this overwhelming expert evidence overwhelming consensus at some point and which is then supported i mean uh, you can you imagine living in a world where overwhelming consensus and and reams of data and evidence and and, uh, and and statistics in favor of something people were still skeptical that it was real <laughs> it's pretty cold out right now though well you know it's hard to believe <laughs> Yeah, it would be so. I, I think that's that's kind of where I am, and we don't need to like. Oh, if he if he hit two eighty three sixty four hundred, is that a disappointing season? Well, that's a disappointing season because like, where the fuck is the power? But <laughs> but like, is one ten, one twenty, ninety, one fifty? Like, it's, it, it, not. I almost want to say all of it's in play, but again, I think the bottom end of the scale is not really in play. So my feeling is, if he, it's more, it'll be more shocking if he's bad than if he's good. His lowest, the, the lowest projections. Again, I was looking at the his, his, on Fangraphs. I forgot, you know, I don't even know which which. There's several now uh, for every player, but I think his worst <laughs> batting projection was like 130, uh, and it was like two. It was like he was slash 290, 366, 483, something like that. That was the worst <laughs> of the projections. It's fucking absurd. That's and it's normal. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's like. And I know, I mean, that's a projection. That's not like somebody... Uh, it, it's harder to do that off minor league data, I, I, I will grant. And, and the minor league numbers look great. But just it's like, it's a 19-year-old and, <laughs> hitting 400 and double A and going to triple A and looking all, you know, looking the part. Hitting, like hitting that home run off uh, Flaherty in the in the big O. Like not a... Not not just some scrub at the end of the game, like a guy who went and had a fucking real good season getting out big leaguers, and, mm-hmm. uh, and like it's just you know, it's just it's the the expert stuff is there the 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 you know the gurus and the pe the people who are like oh the just the sound of the fucking ball coming off his bat is different and it's like mm-hmm. eh, just everything is aligned to be like this is this is special this is something that is you know not yeah not your everyday best prospect in baseball which in itself is uh is pretty impressive but i mean it's it's uh uh you know we can only wait and see how it plays out but it's hard not to be excited and it's uh, you know i i don't fault anybody for uh for being like you know let's uh let's just count on him for being what it looks like he's gonna be i mean this is not travis snyder this is not you know, literally any other prospect. This is a guy who just has the seemingly has a preternatural ability to not just lay off bad pitches, but put the 
fucking bat on the ball with a, like violently uh, <laughs> if it cuts anywhere near the zone like it's he's just he's just uh, on another level as a hitter compared to you know lots of guys already in the big leagues uh, and, and you know it's you you hesitate you don't want to contribute to the hype train but just how can you fucking not it's okay to be excited it really is it's i i cannot stress that enough that it i you don't need my permission but i feel very comfortable investing in emotionally without without being guarded in terms of being excited to watch him play and perform and being excited to look at the end of the year and be like what a great season that was he's only going to get better because that is very 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 likely um i will say something as well that Bryce Harper, when he was uh, in his first year, 2012, in his first big league season, he hit uh, 270, 340, 477. So that was an 817 OPS, which is was good for a 118 OPS plus in 2012. Um, I would take that and run with it. And it, it might seem because it's not like exploding off the page. It's not a. It's not necessarily breaking any records. That's a really nice season for anybody who's 20 or 21, even though I've just said, get excited, the sky's the limit. That's still, that, 118 as a 20 or 19-year-old is pretty close to the sky. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I, would, I would, would not begrudge. Uh, if anything worse, though, I'd hold him personally responsible. Uh, I will think it's because he's distracted, <laughs> because he's not dedicated. Uh, I'm going to have to wonder about his uh, dietary habits, all those things. Anything worse than 118 is a failure, a personal failure of this very young man. Uh, anything above that is um, because of my own personal scouting acumen, frankly. <laughs> I don't know uh, if you're blaming Shapiro enough, but, uh, but yeah, fair. I think it'd be fair to blame Shapiro that once he gets to that when they work in the same building, all of the stink, all of the bad vibes, all of the poor player development is all going to get on him, and it's just going to—it's going to be like Northlands Coliseum or whatever the hell they call that—that <laughs> that barn. I think, they, I think they're in a new building now, but yeah. Rexall is it Rexall? I believe so. Yeah. Is it still? Oh, cool. Uh, any I, other? I, I, that's what the owner owns, or something, right? Oh, that's matter. true. Any other, um, we talk about the Oilers way too much on this baseball podcast. <laughs> the it's, Oilers. It's pretty funny. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> just being in Canada, you just get so you know consumed by fucking hockey media shit. My Twitter is full of hockey shit, and it's just, it's been, it's been a riot. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I used to work for, you know, Nation Network for, when I was at, uh, uh, Blue Jays Nation. Those guys are all out in Edmonton, so there's uh, uh, seeing a lot of Oilers stuff and and those poor fuckers. <laughs> it's just it's just been magnificent. I mean, uh, uh, can I, you? I mean, this I'm, I'm risking you know bad karma with the idea of like a generational talent being fucking wasted by mismanagement, <laughs> but uh, but it's a risk I'm willing to take because it is real funny. Anything else that jumps out at you from any of these top 100 lists? Um, there's a cool, there was a really good quote in the kind of preambles of the baseball prospectus one, talking oh, about the, yeah. uh, Nate Pearson's practically unprecedented physical gifts. That's cool. Yeah, I think they were a little <laughs> impressed with him in uh, in fall league. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was cool. And they had him, you know, I think they had him 54 or something like that, which is uh, higher than than uh, than I think we've ever seen him, and also. Like I mean, didn't really pitch last year. He pitched in fall league, and that was enough for people to, to really mm-hmm. uh, take notice. Which says, which if nothing else, says that he looked healthy. He looked like the guy, you know, that that the injury didn't uh, you know take too much off of his stuff or take any. I mean, he was hitting fucking one hundred four in the fall league. Like uh, it, uh, that, just uh, if if nothing else, that's a good sign. Yeah, that was really interesting. I think the the baseball America one had seven Jays on there. You know the uh, Roshans, who had a, a who really, uh, you know, it was their first round pick, but then looked even better apparently uh, in the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. Coast League. And uh, Kevin Smith, people really like, though you know, you know, back into the top one hundred right now. But uh, another guy who, uh, you know, just gives them so much depth, and, and that's uh, and, and something 
that I think doesn't get talked about enough because it's, you know, we, a lot of people get into the mindset that and this happened with Anthopolis too, that, you know, they're, these are, they're in a phase of development now where, you know, it's all about the prospects and it's like they're hoarding all these prospects, but it, it, it's not necessarily, you know, always going to, it's not, that's not the only method of uh, adding top talent to the big league team. And, uh, you know, Bobachet becomes the shortstop, you know, it makes that position his own, and Kevin Smith is coming up, then that's currency that you can use. And the fact that they're, you know, they're cutting payroll, there's so much payroll that's going to end up being, uh, uh, you know, they're going to end up having like a $60 million payroll next year. Uh, <laughs> you know, ideally, and I, you know, maybe naively, but it's like that, that they are setting themselves up to, to really be able to add well when they, uh, when they really feel that they're able to take the next step and be, a top top team. I mean, no team can do it without adding free agents, without adding contracts. I mean, you look at you know, we come talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox. And, I mean, I guess you know if you're in Cleveland's division, maybe that's a different thing. But even there, you know, they added Edwin, they added some some money there. But you know, it's uh, yeah, it's just a, it, it's a, I, I'm working on a mailbag for tomorrow morning, which will probably be up before uh, this podcast is out. So I don't know why I'm phrasing it that way. But uh, you know, where someone. Says he doesn't really see the light at the tunnel, doesn't like the, you know, doesn't see what the roster has. And some of these prospects are, you know, hit or miss, boom or bust. And some of them maybe they don't have the huge ceiling. But uh, but just building that currency and having, like, waves coming behind them where you have surplus pieces to use to get better players at the big league level. And you have guys who are cheap who can fill in for cheap and allow you to have the flexibility on the free agent market to go pick off guys and and and, you know start you know add to your team that way i mean they're setting themselves up for uh to be in a really good position it's uh, it may not work but uh but you know that more than even just you know the individual names who are getting named on the the top 100 there that that i think is more uh what we should be excited about what the what jay's fans should take away from it i think it's uh uh they're, they are they are getting very quickly heading very quickly to a very good place where they have a lot of prospects a finite number of roster spots and a lot of money to spend to uh, to just make themselves as good as they possibly can, which is what they're going to have to do with the fucking Yankees and Red Sox in the division. Wait, wait, are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to spend money to make your team better? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see if they fucking hold up that end of the bargain. Hold on, uh, Grandpa. Maybe you yeah. want to pull out the fax machine and check that uh, <laughs> mimeograph one more time because yeah. I don't think it's the way that works anymore. Um, the Blue Jays have, on BP, they have four players um uh on the list yeah it's it, you obviously are absolutely right we've we've spoken of this many times about the the value of prospect capital and the ability to convert it not into just big league players on your team but also trade chips and also as, as i've i know that i've mentioned it a lot is the ability to instill belief in your player development system in the other teams around the league to then make those kinds of trades or maybe to scare them off the guys that you want to trade. Maybe you can play some game theory. Time for some game theory as you start. <laughs> well, if the J, if they want them, then maybe there's something with them. We gotta, we got no. They can't have that. We'll give them him. Anyway, um, interesting that. Uh, so you said the, the on the BP or the Baseball America list, there are seven Blue Jays. Um, so. Eric Perdino is one of them, and he's not on the list. Excuse me, on the BP list. And I know that from our, my conversations with uh, Jeff Paternostro, it's really difficult to slot him in just because of the what he is. Yeah. And, and, and few, I feel like yeah. if you're having those fights, if you're having like a who's, gonna, who's my guy, I'm going to fight for this guy to get in the, in the, in the top 101, um, that would be such a long and protracted battle that maybe it's like, let's just wait till next year. Like... It, uh, one of one of the yeah. things that they did on Baseball Prospectus that I like is they had um, the next next year's or the was it next year's they had, did a list like next year's top one hundred one or and they also did a um, the next ten and they did a cool thing which I which I like which was um, why why he missed and why we might be low which is an interesting way to look at it to kind of say um, why might this guy not and, and I feel like that um, that. You can look at the 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 difference between those two lists and think, oh, okay. Well, what is that? Why isn't Kevin Smith on this list? 
Uh, age, maybe that's why. Why might be low because he can hit and he hit and he can play the play position. And same with Pardino. Why? Why is he not on the one list? Because he's so little <laughs> and so young <laughs> and yeah. such an odd package. But also the you know why they might be wrong because he just seems to get people out because he really seems to know what he's doing and have a lot of different tools with which to do it. That's interesting. Um. I don't know, that's all about it. The Rays have nine people on the BP list, I think. Seven on the on the B on the oh, sorry, nine on Baseball America, seven on on um on baseball perspectives. Yeah, the Rays will do yeah, they're you know. The interesting thing is <laughs> what you said of the Blue Jays is not true of the Rays. That they'll never look to 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 trade those guys to take things on, they'll look to trade them when they feel as though they are not going to be good anymore. So they'll dump them and <laughs> run away from them yeah. and then bring in somebody else for, for less. Um, speaking of for bringing somebody in for less, opening day tickets went on sale this week. So now you can buy them. And apparently, judging by the website, you can buy lots of them. <laughs> yeah. Because the game, much on, not unlike last year, it's not yet sold out. It seems like it might take a little while to sell out opening day, which is a bit of um, a self-imposed referendum on the state of the fan base created by the fan base, where I feel the, the kind of shit-hearted fans are like, oh, you can't even sell out opening day. <laughs> I'm not buying right. tickets, but you can't sell it out. Uh but I don't know. Is there, is there much to be made about this? It looked a little pricey. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, people are going to be noticing that they are that there are not as many sales as, as I think a lot of people think or expect. But uh, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it looks it looks pricey, and, and it's a it's a thing where we just I guess have to trust. If you're a Jays fan, you have to trust that the business side knows what the hell they're doing. Um, I know a lot of people would always, you know, in the in the real bad days of, of Shapiro hate would point to like attendance issues in, in Cleveland and uh, and Shapiro said last year, you know, it's going to be our highest revenue opening day ever because they're they're not looking at it as as we want to fill the stands. They're looking at it as we want to fill our wallets with your money, uh, and so we're going to you simple <laughs> simple fucks. <laughs> So they're good. That's you know, it's the dynamic pricing. I think. Well, you tweeted it. I saw that you were, you know, uh, you know, somebody was like, "Look, there's a lot of tickets still left. Like the opening days usually sell out pretty quick, and it's like the lowest ticket is thirty eight dollars. Like you, you could be sitting in a not good seat in the five hundred seats that for years were occupied by people who were getting like the Toronto Star Pass, like paying a hundred dollars or paying eighty dollars for like the entire season minus opening day. Like uh, not. The most desirable seats, unless there's literally nowhere else to sit. But uh, so yeah, it's it's it will be interesting. It will be interesting because there's there's definitely some apathy about this team. There's definitely not a lot of trust. Uh, uh, you know, myself excluded, I guess, <laughs> for the for the people running it. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, Vlad's not going to be there. That's literally the only thing to go watch this year, which I don't think is quite true. But uh, isn't uh, it? Well, you know, Marcus Stroman's <laughs> fun. I mean, I'd like to see That's Marcus true. Stroman. Uh, but, you know, Danny Jansen going to have a fine year. Going to be a real yeah. reliable backstop. <laughs> if there's one thing... <laughs> if there's one thing that quickens the pulse, it's the steady catch and throw uh, reliever backstop. The yeah, guy with the glasses walk. Yeah. Who, <laughs> who should be able to eke out a nice 12-year career uh, on the margins. Of the big leagues. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. The Leafs, you know, I, it's, I've heard that the Leafs are doing okay. So maybe uh, that's, I, I I don't know. I don't know that they're, uh, it, it feels too early to say like, oh, they're they're sort of, they're trying to push the boundaries of what they can, uh, <laughs> what they can fucking get out of people's pockets. But I think they're trying to push the boundaries of what they can get out of people's pockets. Maybe they've overshot. I, I don't know. Uh, uh it's it's still pretty early and i think obviously it'll be a slow build and that was kind of what happened last year though i think it wasn't as dramatic this early that you know a lot of tickets hadn't been moved but uh but we'll see they 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 have their algorithms that they're trusting i'm sure 
And uh, I don't know. I, I know we'll one thing for sure. Never, never has an MBA led anyone down <laughs> a bad path before. Uh, one of the things I, I, I don't remember who, if it was, it was, it was when Beeston came back, and he mentioned returning the integrity of the yeah. ticket price, yeah. which is true. Because back in the day, they used to give tickets away like crazy. If you paid your fucking bill on time, they would just shoot you some nice seats because nobody was there otherwise. And I can't help but agree, selfishly, because I remember distinctly, and it's not that long ago, when the 500-level tickets were $9. Yeah. And to me, that's a fine price. That's what they should cost. That's what it's fucking worth. (laughs) Yeah. But not anymore. Well, and, I mean, but also it's this, hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, this is we're talking about opening day tickets, right? I mean, I think game two, it's the the price is going to be completely different. Well, yeah, but they it ain't never going to be nine dollars again. <laughs> no. So we started off talk with. So now we finished talking about Roy Halladay and and uh, and I. Sorry, we started talking about Roy Halladay. Now we're talking about opening day, and it reminds me of. Uh, I'm going to look it up. The open. I think it was two thousand and. Five opening day? No, maybe it's two thousand and it was two thousand and seven opening day when he I'm gonna check. Uh when the Jays Yeah, faced Detroit. Was it that game? I, oh, so this I, is I was at all radio. these, but I I was at all these, but I assure you I don't remember. No, maybe it wasn't two thousand seven, maybe it was two thousand and eight when it was when BJ Ryan came in and just fucking oh yeah yeah that was a good it. one but that, yeah. that was one of those yeah. that I we like that I was a walk up oh um, yeah yeah like I bought tickets as a uh, maybe that was that game anyway bought tickets for fun and like just my buddy and I were like let's go let's go to the to opening day and we actually I remember sitting in traffic because the one of the condos that's now like been someone's home for a bunch of years they. They had to close the road because they were bringing, swinging a air conditioner over Spadina. So the just traffic <laughs> right. was like backed up for miles as people waited to get into the dome. And we got in, and I watched I watched the Jays play Detroit, and Ryan Holiday started, and it was great. And then BJ Ryan maybe blew the save because that, that was, was like the year he came back from the Tommy John. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, but anyway, that's that that's a that's an opening day memory that I have, and uh, another good another opening day memory. Is the the one that Slash played the uh, <laughs> played the old, <laughs> Slash played the national anthem on the in the guitar on the guitar wearing a half Jays half Red Sox jersey? A true nightmare. That is an abomination. Yeah, it's terrible. But uh, then it became a thing where you just don't wander up to the games, I guess, anymore. An opening day, maybe you shouldn't be able to do that. Anyway. Uh, that's it. Anything else you got? That's we talked about the tickets. We talked about the prospects. We talked about the Hall of Fame. We talked about the things we talk about. Uh, coming up uh, next week, we'll probably have to do this a day earlier. Next Thursday, the thirty first. If you're in Toronto, come down to the Rivoli. I am hosting Pitch Talks with um, uh, Caitlin McGrath, then Keegan Matheson, and then uh, there'll be a that they're on like the beat panel, and then there'll be a panel with um, the, some people from some of your favorite uh, Twitter personalities. I believe Baseball Jen is going to be there, and Minor Leaguer of Bluebird Banter fame, uh, and a bunch of other people. So come down, have some drinks, we'll hang out, we'll come and say hi. It'll be cold and miserable, but at least we're talking about baseball. So uh, I'll put a link on Facebook when we link out to the uh, episode as well. So yeah, love to see everybody. If you could make it, come through. I won't. And be uh, I won't be there. That's a, that's that's all the more reason to go. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll look for another video from us soon, or me soon, hopefully. Uh, it's I, for someone who decided that they're going to shoot these outside. It's been not not uh, <laughs> not appropriate weather for that. But yeah, no, we'll do another one of those coming up soon. I'm ha- we're having fun with that. And like, thanks to everybody who subscribed. Over 100 subscribers already. Hey, I'm, on right. my, I'm on my way to that diamond button. It's coming. Okay, yeah, but uh, they've been fun. And thanks for the feedback. And people have been really positive. So that's fun. Uh, they're fun to do. And we'll get you on there as well in no time flat. 
Yeah, probably, yeah. Why not? Cool. And yeah, like you said, you've got a mailbag column coming up tomorrow on The Athletic. As always, on Fridays, you have your, well, in the offseason, you do your uh, your mailbag on Fridays. So look for that and look for your work and all the fine work of all the fine people grinding. Yeah. On that yeah, grind, be, on that contact. I got, a, I got a bunch of things uh, <laughs> in the works. So, you know, enjoy your uh, your respite from me while you can. Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> a bunch of shit coming up. Awesome. All right. So for for him, Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day.